The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Well, amen. Good morning, the King's Chapel. Here we are. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're glad they're here today. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you know them or not. Just tell them you're glad they're here today. Praise God. We have guests here this morning. We're glad to have you all with us. Um, We have many serving this morning. I thank God for the sweet time of worship this morning. And also a little bit later in the service, we are going to uh, partake in the sacraments. And so if you don't have them yet, they're right in the back. And if our uh, uh, ushers or deacons can assist those. If you don't have the sacraments, just raise your hand and someone will get that to you. Okay, right over here. Oh yeah, we got hands all over. Can we see that they get... Get those? Okay. And here too? Wonderful. Okay, so uh, if you have your Bibles with you, um, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Mark. We're going to continue our series that has been going on for several weeks now. Um, if you have a Bible, raise it and wave it at me. Because we're, yeah, that's good. Can you imagine going to a football game and not having a football? Yeah. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. So, we, yeah, we need to have our Bibles in the, in the, in the church here. Uh, also, too, um, m- some people think of church as a hospital. You've heard that said before, right? I think of church more so as a time of worship, obviously, but also uh, I think of it in terms of high chairs and seats. Does anybody know what a high chair is? Mike, you do? Okay. You're the only one in <laughs> Okay, so that's where baby, we set babies in the chair and we push them up to the table so they can do what? And also, what else? But, <laughs> okay, I have another name for it. They do make a mess, but they are learning to eat. And so, so that's what the church, when we gather, we worship God. We worship God. But we also should be here and gathered to eat. I so thank uh, uh, Pastor Brian for his... Uh, prayer when he said, Lord, make us one. How many of you all know we need to be one? How many of you all know we're not there yet? How many of you all know by the show of hands that you're part of us being one? How many of you all know you've got a role in us being one? Well, those hands are dwindling and dwindling every time I ask a question. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning in the uh, book of Mark chapter 6. And um, I'm going to read, well, first of all, Most of you will probably know about this passage, but it is uh, uh, recorded in all of the Gospels, I think, except John, uh, where Jesus fed 5,000 people on a hillside. And uh, so whenever I read that story or would read that story, I was always captured by the fact that he took five loaves and two fish. So in my head, and this is not a math head, can we put that, uh, yeah, that one. Now, before you get all excited about what's on the screen right there, uh, I had someone do that. My oldest daughter, who is the math whiz in the family, I asked her, is it any way that you can have the numbers five and two and arrive at 5,000? And I thought she might have to go away and think about it and plunder through that. And, uh, and she said, oh yeah, <laughs> you can do that. Well, if that's the case, Uh, This is how you get there. Now, obviously, five plus two doesn't equal uh, 5,000, but Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish, and 
the recording says 5,000 people, but we believe that, uh, and there are many theologians, some believe 7,000 when you include the women and children, and some even say maybe even as much as, as many as 10,000. But nonetheless, listen, it's five loaves and two fish. The way I eat around our table, <laughs> that wouldn't have been enough for me. <laughs> but nonetheless, let's dive into this. And, and uh, you know, I, can we put that screen back? Because uh, there's some people here right now. I promise you they're working that out. Yeah, they're going through their head. They're doing all of them. Uh, God bless you people who can do that. That's not me. That's not me. But anyway, uh, um, so there it is. There it is. Go with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 30. And I would encourage you to follow along, make little notes, and certainly if you hear scripture, um, um, I'm going to encourage you to write it down and review it later on so you can meditate on it. Um, how many of you all, when you go out to eat, you take doggy bags home sometimes? Thanks, Mike. You, again, you're the, you're the only one that does. Okay, here we go. Matt. Mark chapter 6 and verse 30, the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. Verse 33, the people saw them going and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he, he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something, something to eat. But he, meaning Jesus, answered them, you give them something to eat. And I will draw your attention. I'm not sure what translation you're reading from, but in mine, which is a New American Standard, more of a transliteration than a translation, there's an exclamation point behind, you give them something to eat. And exclamation points in our English element means what? Yeah, excitement, an emphasis. It's drawing your attention. Yeah, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. Once again, I draw your attention to the uh, grammatical uh, ending to that statement, go look. Once again, we see what? An exclamation point. I think Jesus is putting some emphasis on what he's just stated to his disciples. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And he took the five loaves and, he, and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the, the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up 12 baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. And there were 5,000 men who ate 
below us. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray now that you would open hearts, minds, eyes of understanding now. Press your knowledge against our heart, Lord. Remove and dismantle any faulty thinking uh, that we may have as regarded to being a disciple of yours. So we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So when I look at this passage and when I always have have, uh, labored in it, I always think about it, what presses through to me is this call to discipleship. Here at the King's Chapel, um, and, and, and Pastor Brendan mentioned it early in the announcement, uh, we strongly encourage you that you get connected to uh, small groups in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Just be, get, get connected to a small group like you're hungry and thirsty. Because that is where the Word of God will flow and help to feed you in your high chair or your table at at your seat at the table so that you can grow spiritually. We can't just be a pretty church here on Braddock Road. Amen? We can't be just a pretty church here with pretty people in it on Braddock Road. Amen? We have got to love one another in here and we've got to take that love unconditionally beyond these doors. I'm crushed when I think that you all are not chewing over the sermon that you heard on any particular Sunday before you get out the parking lot. That's the last you'll hear it until you show back up again on Sunday. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not you, is it? (laughs) Oh, my. Okay, So, so, so if we have this emphasis or not, if the Word of God gives us this emphasis, on making disciples, uh, you don't have to turn to it, but at least make note of it. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus, before he ascends, he tells his disciples, go and make disciples. And what's the next thing he tells them? Teaching them. This is exactly what Jesus was doing before he invited his disciples to go to a secluded place uh, and rest. They had been teaching the people all day. Some of the people were, knew him or were trying to know him earnestly. Some of them were there, as he stated in other Gospels. He said, some of you all follow me for the wrong reason. <laughs> Jesus said, some of you are following me not because you see the miracles, because the miracles should have pointed them that Jesus was the Messiah. But he says, you're following me for what? Fish sandwiches. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not you, is it? <laughs> And so what he's trying to do, he's trying to teach us, know who I am and know why it is you're following me. Don't follow me because the crowd's following me. Follow me because you know me intimately. Amen? So, so, so if we look at these passages, and it's amazing uh, the kind of things that come out regarding what Jesus uh, taught when he was here on earth. He not only uh, was the seed for the for the New Church, New Testament Church, but he's also given us a snapshot of what a disciple looks like so that we can all be disciple makers. We all should be involved in some way, shape, form, or fashion in discipling someone else. Discipling is a rich word, but it's the, the, the basics of it is we want to take what we've learned and teach it to others. And so <clears throat> in order to uh, uh, make a disciple, you must be a, a disciple. Now, Jesus distinguished this in John chapter 8 and verse 32, that there is such a thing, 31 and 32, there is such a thing as a true disciple. So if we have a true disciple, then we have, oh boy, you all are getting this. This is good stuff. Yeah, if we have true disciples, we got false disciples. Turn to your name. No, no, don't, don't, don't. So, so, so if that is the case, if that is the case, 
It takes a true disciple to make another disciple. If you're going to have more corn, you got to plant corn. You don't plant tulips to get corn. See, I, I'm just wired like that. I know that right out the gate. Uh, 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 <laughs> a, true, a true disciple, the marks of a true disciple, they will be intentional about their worship. And I don't mean coming in singing songs. They will be intentional about their lives being alive worship. You, 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 uh, you understand that worship is beyond just what we do here on Sunday morning. Romans 12 and 1 tells us it is our very life that's worship unto God. And every time we walk out among people, we're sending up a fragrance before God. I would ask you to turn to your neighbor and ask him, what's that smell? But the aroma, the aroma should be pleasing to God, not pleasing to man. But if it's pleasing to God, I guarantee you it will please man. And so, in order to be a, 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 a discipleship maker, we have to be completely dependent upon God. How many of you will know for a second, if you've left to yourselves, you will work things out in your own flesh? Anybody in here? Mike, raise your hand, man. Yeah, Mike, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, if we're left to ourselves to do it, we all try to do it, even though we've got the Word of God. And so, the other thing about the Word of God about making disciples is, and being a discipleship maker is, there's got to be some level of compassion about you. you got to be compassionate about other people. It's got to go beyond just your dinner table because everybody's got to eat. And if we don't uh, eat well out of one, out of one, or from one source, we'll never learn how to live unconditionally in this building. And if we don't learn how to be condition, un, love unconditionally and live unconditionally in here, it's not going to happen at Walmart. It's not. We won't take this outside the door. And for God's sake, if there's any of you all that are not living and loving unconditionally, and you're out in the highways and byways, please don't wear a King's Chapel t-shirt. I want to know you're doing the right thing while you're out there. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. All right. So let's look at, this, let's look at these scriptures here real quick. And if we, I'll, I'll just take them in bite-sized pieces. And I want you to understand, this is about making disciples. What, well, we, again, we'll get excited and we'll get captured by the fact that Jesus fed five to 10,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. But there's a deeper, a greater message here for us to embrace and do. Listen, first of all, if you're going to be a disciple and a discipleship maker, you have got to recognize it's going to require a sacrifice. You have got to be willing to sacrifice. Before I met my wife, I can tell you, uh, as a heathen, I met her while I was a heathen, uh, I thought the whole world evolved around me. Now, I know I'm the only one in here that felt that way. <laughs> but I might have some company. Yeah, because I didn't know Jesus. So that, all I knew was the world. And I was always trying to dabble in what the world had to offer. And the world will only offer you stuff that makes you feel good about you. And we buy tons of it. And we actually live it out. We walk it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so in order to, 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 to truly be a disciple and a disciple uh, maker, you've got to be thinking in terms of sacrifice. Luke chapter uh, 14, I believe it is, 14 and, and verse uh, 26, Jesus kind of sets the, uh, the tempo for what it means to, to, to be a disciple of his. And he, these are some pretty strong emphasis, I should say. He's not telling people not to be a disciple, but he's giving them the prerequisite. 
He says, if you don't hate or love less, not a hatred like we see in the world today, but if you don't love less, and he's talking about prioritizing. If you don't love less, your father, your mother, your wife, the children, brother, sister, uh, goldfish, uh, the dog, uh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. That's not actually in there. But, but if you don't love them less and make Jesus number one, guess what he says? You can't even be my disciple. If we haven't made Jesus and allowed Jesus, I should say, to be Lord of our lives, then we can't even be his disciple because it doesn't come with an option. Lordship will turn your life around. The Lordship in Christ Jesus will turn your life around. Most of us try to lord our own, lord or, or lead our own selves. If that's you, raise your hand. Thanks, babe. I could count on you, brother. I could count on you. Yeah, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. Yeah, a lot of us left to ourselves, we will try to do it and be our own lords. But Jesus says, no, I'm not just Savior. I'm Savior and Lord. And lordship means that we just surrender to him. There's a sacrifice to this surrendering piece. He's, you have to surrender your soul you have to be willing to surrender your will unto him. It's best stated in Galatians 2.20 when Paul says, I've been crucified. I can tell you now with a lot of what's going on in the church today, there ain't enough dead people in here. We just, we want to do Jesus and still be what we were. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not you. <laughs> Lord have mercy. And listen, so, so there's going to be a sacrifice um, They've been with the mobs, the crowds all day long, teaching them. One of the things that struck me was that Jesus had a compassion for the people when he saw them. We're too busy to see people. We just get on our bike and we keep pedaling. We ride right by them. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we, and then when we do see people, we look for the right kind of people. I don't mean you all, but I mean some people out there. We look for the right kind of people to live unconditionally. People that fit our mold. Ah, but not here at the King's Chapel. We're t being taught by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, that, that, that John 3.16 meant the whosoever will. That means next man up. Who's in your path? Don't go around on the other side. Meet them head on with Jesus. So there's going to be a sacrifice. Yes, our ways uh, have to go uh, to the wayside, and his way, his way must be priority. And then secondly, we see from verses 35 to 40, uh, this is the one that the church struggles with. Uh, 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 sacrifice, we can get to that. But what good is sacrifice if we're not going to obey? Once they figured out that Jesus was in charge, he began to give them instructions. Obedience is everything. Obedience is everything. Uh, in John 15, 13, Jesus says, uh, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friend. Oh, my goodness. That requires a sacrifice. It requires a death. And it also requires obedience to that word. Some of you, before you get out of this building today, you should be picking up the phone and dying for somebody. Somebody needs that little cool drink of water, that word of encouragement. They just need to hear the word, I forgive you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Is anybody here? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so when we talk about obedience, we see it pressed out in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. We also see it in Matthew 26. The scenario or the backdrop to it is Jesus is in the garden and uh, it's just before he's going to be crucified. And he's sitting there agonizing over a cup that he has to partake of. 
And what was in the cup, brothers and sisters? Your sin and mine made him agonize. It's probably one of the most grueling moments I've seen Christ in that way. And, and, and well, it should be because our stuff is in the cup. Turn to your name and tell them they got stuff, just so you don't know. Yeah, it's okay. They, we're in church. They're they going to love you. Uh, 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 but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that stuff in the cup that Jesus was sweating, like sweat to blood about. But you know what he said? Father, if it be any other way, let this cup, let this trial, let this test pass away from me. He said, but nonetheless, whew, your will be done and not mine. Tell me that's not obedience. That's the epitome of obedience because Jesus is giving us an example of what pure obedience is. Pure obedience. Pure obedience has a fragrance. Not like Saul did when he uh, killed some of the animals and he kept the best ones for himself. Uh, he was supposed to kill all of the animals, that's what the instruction. How many of you all know that sometimes we, uh, we kind of, uh, we partially obey God? I, I don't mean it here, but I mean you might know some people who might partially obey. We have his instruction. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what he told us to do. But, you know, as long as we can kind of come close to obeying him. Boy, it's getting awful quiet in here. Don't let it get this quiet. That's just like saying amen. Uh, um, um, but obedience is an expression of our love toward God. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 14 and verse 21, it's not one that you're going to see, but you can look it up, write it down. He says, he who has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And my Father and I will come and make our abode. We will abide with him and disclose ourselves. To him. Do you know how precious that exchange is to have the intimacy of the warm breath of God and his son having fellowship with your spirit? Do you know what that's like? If you don't get there, because it's a wonder, it will change your life. When you start walking with Jesus in a way that you can tell what he had for breakfast, you got yourself a fairly close relationship right there. Yeah. So, 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 sacrifice, it requires. If you're going to be a disciple and make a disciple, you've got to be willing to sacrifice your life. He sacrificed his for us. That's a tough thing. He went to the cross for every, everybody in this room. I pray that everybody in this room is saved. And if you're not, I will give you an opportunity at the end of the service too. But he sacrificed. He sacrificed all so that I might come to know him. When he sacrificed, he requires obedience. It's that obedience that expresses our love toward God. And then finally, it's our faith. When we look at verses between verse 41 and 44, we see faith in action. Um, um, I, 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 some would say, well, did Jesus need to have faith? Wasn't he God? Truly, yes, he was God. But keep in mind, he was fully God and fully yeah, 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 yeah. Let me say it again. Don't be afraid to answer that question because you got the right answer. Just say it like you want an A on the test. Hey, he was fully God and fully man and without sin. Bingo. more you come to the King's Chapel, that's the kind of teaching you're going to get. You're going to get the real deal, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Listen, listen. But he had to exercise his faith. You know what Jesus tells us in John 8? Read it on your, on your spare time. He says, 
I always do those things that please my Father. And when he talks about that, that means that he is obeying the Father's will. And his word is his will. Oh, where is the power of God? It's in his word. Remember when he spoke in Genesis and he wanted some light? Anybody remember that? Did light show up? Power is in the word. Get in the word. Let the word get in you. I don't care how many devotions you're doing. If the word is not teaching you, you're probably not teaching the word. If the word is not uh, testifying to you, you're probably not testifying about it. Um, Don't get quiet on me now. Don't, 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 don't. Listen, listen. If we note that in verse 41, his disciple says, this is a desolate place and it's late. Then what did they recommend to Jesus? Send the people away and let them go fend for themselves. Now, I'm not saying they said with the wrong spirit, but I'm going to say here at the King's Chapel with us as a family, uh, that should not be our response for those who are hurting and in need. And most of us who are hurting and in need are not necessarily hurting and need for material things. We're hurting in places that nobody else can see, nobody knows exists but us. And we're scared to get, did I say scared? We're scared to get transparent. I was going to say naked, but I'm not. We are afraid to be transparent. We're afraid. We will slap fig leaves on in a heartbeat and come here and worship and make it look like it's all good. Say it, man, if you know what I'm talking about. I see this in Christendom. I see this across the land. People who will just kind of press through on a Sunday morning and act like we worship God. Who in the world knows when God has been worshiped? God does. Yeah, until he touches you and moves your heart and says, well done, my good and faithful servant in our time of worship, because it's not just the words coming out of our mouth, but it's actually the life we're living before him. It should be a sweet aroma. It should please him. We use human beings as our measuring sticks way too much. Oh, I want to be like them, or I wish I had what they had. I don't mean in here, but you know of some people like that, right? <laughs> and so, and so uh, uh, Jesus comes up with the answer, and here's how we're going to do it. Because long before he asked them what they had, he already knew what he was going to do. And let me put this little side note to you. It's one of the most wonderful experiences in the, in the Scriptures. But if you don't get in there, you're not going to get them. Listen, anytime you see Jesus asking a question... It's not like he doesn't know the answer. Yeah, that's a little nugget that'll take you a long way. So when you hear that question, you're reading, and you hear a question, you hear him ask a question, you answer the question because that's what he wants you to do. What do you have? He knew they didn't have food to feed them. He knew how much money it was going to take to feed uh, 10,000 people, if you will. Uh, uh, and, and, and that's about 10 grand in, in the bigger context of things, 200 denarii, I think if my math, I mean, I'm not the world's greatest in math, but nonetheless, they were saying, we got problems here, Jesus. It's late. It's desolate. We don't have enough money to feed all these people. Ah, bring in Jesus. And let me give you the highlight of, of, of today. Verse 41, and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up toward heaven. That's key, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, looking to heaven. Not one minute did Jesus think that he was going to be able to feed 5,000 people on his own. Was he fully God? Yeah, was he a fully man? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know who he depended on? His father. 
You know who we ought to be depending on? Our Heavenly Father. And the way Jesus says to do that, we got to do it through Jesus. So we have to develop this relationship in Jesus. But here's his, his dependency. He looks toward heaven, breaks the bread, offer up, offers up what he has. And we, we get all wrapped around the actual but what we don't have. God's not waiting for you to get to that magic moment about what you ought to be able to give the church. Some of you have 10% in your head, but sometimes God didn't call for 10%. He called for $1. He called for 50 cent because it's not about how much you have. It's the heart that has it. And if you're willing to give, if you're willing to sacrifice, if you're willing to love God the way he's called us to love, the amount don't matter. Somebody say, why are you all getting quiet on me now? This is a joyful occasion. It is. We're getting taught the word of God. You know what Jesus says? He looked at the crowds of people and he saw compassion. And he began teaching them. He didn't go up to them and start patting them on the back. I mean, you could have done that, but that's not going to last long. Oh, he began to teach them because the power is where? In the word of God. And the more we get close to the word of God, in the word of God, that's when our lives are going to begin to change. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you sitting here right now, you would say, you know what? My life needs to change. And you know it needs to change. And guess what? You haven't told anybody, but there are people around you that know it needs to change. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you need to change your life. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you all are going to be well acquainted by the time this service is over, I would imagine. Listen, listen, listen. Seeking the Father because it's in his word. What's another name for his word? Don't overthink this. It's right there. We've been talking about him all morning long. Jesus. Who said Jesus? I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to move a little forward because you, you're answering all the questions. It's like you look at my notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another, another name for the word of God is Jesus. The word of God. We see it in Revelation uh, 19, sitting on a horse. Has the, 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 the label, the word of God is written on him. John, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the, and the word was. And the word was, his name is Jesus. The power is in the word. Listen, so he looks up to heaven and he asks the Lord to bless what they had. They only had five fish, two loaves. We all, uh, uh, five loaves, two fish. There's a miracle going on here. Five loaves and two fish. He blessed them and I love this word in the scripture. The scripture says he kept giving them to the disciples, which means that it was ongoing. It wasn't just a hillside moment. It reminds me of the woman who had, the, uh, uh, who was, who had only one jar of, jar of oil. And, 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 the, and the prophet uh, Isaiah said, you go out to your neighbors, and this was God's answer, and, and get as many jars as you can. As many as you can, exhaust the neighborhood by asking all of your neighbors for jars and then get back in the house. And so she came back into the house. She was going to bake a cake and die. She was going to put a biscuit on the table for her son and herself, and they were going to be done. But, God, but the man of God, the word of God says, no, get some jars. Uh, God will ask you to do some things sometimes that you might think is foolish. Not you all, but you know of people who would, 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 would think that. And, and rather than do it, you just say, well, that's crazy talk. Oh, but she went out and got jars, and they said when she put a jar up, the oil started running. The oil started running. And when she put the last jar up, 
emphasis is on the last job. It says that the oil stopped. It didn't say that the oil ran out. It said that the oil stopped. Woo. You know why? She didn't have any more jobs. It's not what we have. I mean, it's not what we don't have that God multiplies. Yeah, he says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can talk to a tree. Have it uprooted and planted in the sea. Okay, I'm almost done here. I'm almost done here. Oh, there's so much more I want to say, but I'm almost done. And he says he kept on giving it to them. When he gave it to the disciples, what did they do with it? Stick it in their pocket, put it in their cupboard, go home with it? They sat it before the people. They are making disciples in a sense in that they are feeding the people who were hungry. Now, the story, the, the passage speaks to a physical hunger, but I want you to turn your attention to what the Word of God does in our spiritual life. The things that we want, the things that we think we need to have, most of those things originate outside of our spirit. Those things didn't come from God. God wasn't the one that, that, that said you needed to have a Mercedes. Now, listen, I don't care about Mercedes. I'm not emphasizing Mercedes. But shouldn't we get our instructions from God? What we need? What he provides? Oh, worry for yourself, not what you will eat, what you will put on. None of that. I just I whispered to my wife here this morning as we were worshiping. I, I, the word of the day in, 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 in my hearing was contentment. Learning to be content in Christ. And he'll work us to that point. He'll work us to that point. And you know when he does his best work? Y'all ain't ready to hear this, but you know when he does his best work? When we're loving someone else unconditionally, he'll show up and multiply what we have. Yeah, he will. We say, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to minister to him, to them. Yeah, you don't. That's why we need the Father. We need to look to heaven. We need to look to heaven and seek the Father's will and the Father's way. Okay, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here. I just want us to bring all of the obstacles that the disciples put before him uh, were squelched in verse 42. My goodness gracious. As a praise team is coming, listen. All of the obstacles that the, 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 the disciples said, we don't have enough money. We're in a desert place. It's, it's, I mean, we just, this is not going to happen. <laughs> but then if you keep reading, you get to verse 42. This would have been on a whale of a tail if we hadn't gotten verse 42 in there. But the word of God says, how many ate? Oh, somebody, oh, I appreciate that. But hey, 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 now here's a better question. How many were satisfied? Oh, my Lord God. You can never exhaust the food that comes off the table of God. You can't. You can't. And all of that food does something for you on the inside. So that you can be transformed. Oh, can you imagine going a day or so without eating? It's the same thing in the Word of God. And if we don't have anything to eat, how is it that we're going to give to others? How is it that we're going to give to others? And so I'm, my encouragement to you this morning, uh, as we prepare our hearts, was not, not to be able to work the math problem. That was just something that hit in my head. I have no idea why. But, but... But the fact that they're going to require some things from us that God desires, 
Will we make that sacrifice for him? Will we we obey his word? And will we invest our faith in him so that he might grow it and individually grow it, but more importantly, collectively grow it as a congregation? If you're passing through this morning, we want this to be a place and known as a place where we are a body of believers who love the Lord God and we are learning how to love unconditionally. Do we get everything right? Absolutely not. We got human beings in here. So we're going to have flaws. We're going to fail sometimes. But that's not because we're not trying. That's not because we're not practicing unconditional love. The very reason that we have to practice is because we don't get it right the first time. So, I would just ask you to consider, and what a great time to be uh, partaking in the sacraments of his table. Search your heart this morning. Search your heart this morning and see where your sacrificial heart is, your, your obedience is, where your faith is as it relates to God and what he's calling you to do. Uh, now, I, if there's no one that has, uh, uh, is everyone got an element? Hope you do. If not, this would be the time to raise your hand. The way these are set up, there's uh, the wafer is on top, and then there is the uh, uh, juice underneath. And, and this is a time of reflection for you. But also, too, I want us to understand this is a celebratory time. Jesus says, as often as you do this, remember me. This represents the delivery that Israel experienced from Egypt, but for more so for us. Think about him delivering you. Think about how he took you out of darkness when you partake of the elements. And I'm going to leave that to you. You pray and seek God and let him work your heart.